I'd just like to say this gig sucks. One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Middle Age Mixtape Podcast with Clinton and Bill. Dad, what's a mixtape? Hello and uh, welcome to the Middle Age Mixtape. Bill, uh, great to be hearing you. How are you? Yeah, good mate, good mate. It's been a bit of a while between drinks. Do apologise for that. Had a it has few been, but te- that's all right. Yeah, a few technical issues going on. I uh, my microphone carked it basically, so I've gone back to the old school microphone. Hopefully, hopefully less potato quality audio than what we've been getting over the last couple of episodes. But yeah, this is this is good. I'm excited about this episode, mate. How are you feeling about it? Oh, mate, I've had this playlist. Almost on constant rotation on my um, on my phone. It's just, pretty good, isn't it? Um, your list, I love. I'm dead set happy with my own list. You know, some of our lists we put together and we go, "Geez, we've produced some crap music here. We've, <laughs> we've, done, some, we've done some terrible things to people." No, the, to me, there is not a bad song on this list. No, this, this is, is a good just one. this is a good one. This is a a cracking playlist. I, and, I mean, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I mean, there's, no, there's really, absolutely no bias involved in this at all. No, so. no, but I'm really pleased with the songs on here. There's just some some beauties. And there's so much to talk about because it's, it's the very nature of what we like and, it's a big and, one. and why this we is, like this one. This one this could is, cause some controversy, but I think I think we've sort of nailed the brief a little bit on this one. So I reckon we should I, I think it. so. And again, uh, well, well, we'll bring this up as we go along, but we tend to come up with the theme, nothing else. Mm. So um, what you think of as a cult band or a cult artist may not be what I'm thinking, but I think we're... We're, we're simpatico on a lot of things because I, I look I at think, yours. I think we're sort of hitting the same sort of areas, yeah. There's a couple of areas where I, I think I deviated and I think you might have, but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. So before we do, though, and I reckon, well, cult artists perhaps, brilliant artists, you're currently listening to, mate. Tell us, tell me all about it. I want to hear. I want to hear more of this all and right. more about this. This is more yeah, about this. I've been listening to a, uh, you know, I've gone through a cult artist pretty much through the entirety of my playlist from what I've been listening to to my sort of old stuff, new old stuff, stuff and all the way stuff, through my yeah. playlist is I've been listening to Vatican Shadow and their debut album or his debut album called Neil Before Religious Icons, which was released in, released in 2011. Now, Vatican Shadow is an artist, Dominic Fernow, uh, who's a US artist, uh, has done a lot of sort of industrial noise and uh, sort of extreme sort of music, you know, got really got into um, a lot of death metal early in the piece. And he's sort of brought those influences into what he started doing electronically. Now, he's been performing as Vatican Shadow, obviously, for the Probably almost a decade now, and this I I'm gonna I'm being the cult of Vatican Shadow. I'll put it that way. I love the work that he does. He is really yes. stripped back. Uh, a lot of reverb, a lot of sort of distant noise that goes on in the background, and his take on techno is very very militant. And if you listen to the albums, and if you look at the track listing of the albums. Every single one of the track has a specific political point to it. Yeah. So 
a lot of his other albums deal with like the Russian intervention into Chechnya. Um, a lot, a lot of his stuff really looks at sort of the the U.S. sort of military juggernaut, I guess you could say, and the military complex behind the U.S. political system. It's it's protest noisy music. It's noise music. It's really sort of that sort of extreme end of techno that has sort of drawn me in over the last, or probably actually over the last decade. I would say that you know as Vatican Shadows sort of profile has grown. That's how more I've been drawn into that sort of end of the techno music, you know, that Bergain sort of yeah. dark, sort of deep, aggressive sort of techno. And that's what Vatican Shadow has been. And he has performed sort of um, with uh, another project of his, which is really sort of extreme sort of metal industrial sort of stuff. But I think yep. as Vatican Shadow, he sort of found his niche into the sound that he wants to bring. Later albums are a little bit cleaner, but this one specifically, I just had this on high rotation over the last week, two weeks. Um, now, I, yeah, I, I loved it, by the way. But give us a little bit of it, because I, I had a bit of a Google, obviously, as you do, and wanted to find out a bit more about him. Um Give us a bit of a, an insight into the technique. Are you saying he is sampling industrial sounds and then sequencing them to a lot of ta- yeah, a lot of field recordings, tape, tape recordings, uh, which is then sort of fed back through his production studio, whether he's using Ableton or. Um, you know, some other kind of digital audio yeah, sort pro of workplace or, or workstation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. he's really sort of stripping it back, a lot of sort of overlay and overdubs on a lot of his music. And, yeah, it's 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 really sort of – it's minimal but maximal at the same time. There's yeah, a lot I... going on in the music but not a lot sort of happening within the music itself. So – yeah, it's a lot of field recordings and sort of tape recordings that are playback and then sort of played over the top of each other repetitively because so you get this sort of you know, this the, noise. There's not a recognisable instrument in it. No. But it still sounds so good. Mm. So, yeah, I, look, I really enjoyed it and the, the absolute cut-off, they're just the bit where you go, what, was that in? Does it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, yeah, but but you know, the track, track will go for six or seven minutes, and you're sitting yeah. there and you're just going, "Oh, there's a lot happening here," and you sort of it yeah. rewards multiple listens, and oh, that's absolutely. a sign of a good yeah. album. Yeah, no, it's it's cracking, and again, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it to our attention because it's yeah, good. Um, yeah, and new to me, completely new to me. I'd not. Not heard it before, so um, all right. You're really yeah. I, I delve, that. I delve around the fringes of extreme stuff. I know that. No, so. but, and and you're right. Though. It, it's bizarre because it's it's all instrumental. Obviously, yeah. well, instrument, instrument. You know, there's no lyrics, but mm. you get the impression. You look at the title and you go, "Yeah, I see where you're coming from with this track." Yeah, it's 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 serious <laughs> business. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really yeah. sort of serious business. And you know, he's as he's sort of started to play out more in a in a live setting the the stage shows have become more and more political as well so of course um, yeah yeah which is yeah. which is good to see you know we don't mind a political activism and a political band on this podcast no no we're we're a fan we're a fan we're and a fan. uh we've got a little bit of that coming up we've got uh, we have this could we be one of our, a little bit 
punkiest episodes too. Oh, I, think, yeah, I think I think we're touching on it. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. this is something you're currently listening to. Really threw me for a loop, actually, because I was not expecting you to be picking up on Rex Orange County. Oh well, as you may be aware, and I'm sure this a similar thing has happened. <laughs> th- this has been brought into the house. Oh well, it's brought into the house by the same way everything comes in via the internet. No, yep. this was brought to my attention by my daughter Abby, um, and I'm sure your son has uh, has also perhaps been playing this. I, I suspect yep. there might be some crossover. A little bit of crossover. So, yep. I, I had a listen. I also listened to a bit of a podcast where uh, Mr. Orange County was being interviewed about yep. this album. And uh, look, I like it. Uh, however, you're right, it's completely not the type of music I listen to. And I like it. And then when I've heard it, I just. I don't feel a need to listen to it again. Right, does that? Is it, is it the Chinese meal of music? Is that <laughs> what it is? <laughs> it's kind of like that. You go, I'm quite full now. It's the KFC. I've had it now. I don't yeah. think I need to have it again for I don't for think a while. I need it anymore. But then yeah. the, the track will come on. This track in particular, 10 out of 10, is, um, is a very nice track. It's very good. Musically, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but, but then I listen and I go, yeah. Yeah, I don't have to hear that again. It's so, good pop music. It's yeah, it it's, it's good. It's good pop yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, but it's it hasn't got, I guess that that draw me in where I feel I'm trying to like to me good pop music or good music, particularly lyrically. And you know, I'm a lyrics man. I want to yeah. have another listen so I can maybe get my head around what what the protagonist was on about. So, I'm, I'm, with this, I think he's very clear. Maybe it's just a yeah. naive style of songwriting where there's, there's no having to interpret what he's singing about. It's, it's quite clear. Yeah. So, um, there's no metaphor. No, I don't think so. It's, it's just a pretty straight <laughs> up, you know, yeah. So, look, I, I enjoyed it. I, I have had it, given it a decent listen. I've had a good few listens. Um, prior to starting to put this playlist together, and then I, I, I went down another bit of a rabbit hole with a few other bands. So, um, but yeah, it's it's new. It's what the kids are listening to. Obviously, it's what the kids are listening to. It's no one can accuse us to. of not being down with the kids. Oh, and this is it. I, I I don't want to dismiss music outright just because the person introducing it to me is my child. You know, I'd like. <laughs> Because um, yeah, I know okay, people Burma. like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm not quite that old yet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you you don't want to just dismiss it because you go, well, hang on, I like all this music that I like. So, um, but look, it's enjoyable. Give it a listen, people. It's uh, um, you want to you want to uh, put a smile on your face in these trying times. Yeah, it's probably worth a listen in that. County. Yeah, I think so. It's got that. Um, yeah, it's there's some sad songs on there, but. They're, they're just they're, they're arranged in such a way that you're just listening to some light and fluffy pop. So, um, which, yeah, we're going to, that's, that's it for the light and fluffy. So, not, a, a very interesting contrast, I think, to Vatican Shadow. Um, yeah, oh, definitely. If, definitely. If we can, 
talk about uh, you, uh, you, you know, will not see Vatican opposites. Shadow and Rex Orange County on the same bill at a festival. Uh, no, I don't. Well, I don't think so. No, yeah. and if you do, well, <laughs> question question what festival question the you're promoters. At. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> anyway, look, let's yeah, uh, let's let's get let, into the subject proper. Let's move into the subject cults, cult bands, not cults. Cult bands. I'm talking about Charles Manson, although you've got to yeah. come to that. Yeah, there's yeah. a question in there for you. But let's talk about your list. What what did you how did you approach it, mate? What makes a cult band? Mm, that, this is that the question. Is, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Because surely makes a once cult band? once once you and I have heard of them here in little old WA, uh, then they're beyond a cult no band, do you think? They're beyond a cult well, that's um that's all I, I can probably. I think there's there's a couple. Of, I think there's probably three criteria that. Okay. Yeah. At, at least one of them has to be met to be a cult band. Right. All right. So Let's they need it. to be critically acclaimed. Yes. They need to be highly influential. Yes. And they need to have a rabbit a rabid fan base, a fanatical fan base. And yes. I think that every every uh, artist that I've put on this list addresses one or two of those, um, one or two of those. Sometimes three. Is there anyone? Sometimes anyone three. got all three? Uh, yeah, I would argue that at least one on there has all three, possibly two. Okay. So that would be the okay. radio. That would be Radiohead and the Smiths. Well, don't don't keep your powder dry. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. all right. No worries. I won't go so, too hard too all early. All right. So let's start off now. Let's have a look. Let's let's go through them. The Manic yep. Street Preachers. Now Manic Street Preachers. Yep. So uh, uh, um, critically acclaimed. Yep. Yes. Yes. Influential. Probably not so much. No, okay. No, oh, they're probably influential on a number of Welsh sort of guitar bands, but I wouldn't say in okay. the grand scheme of things they're especially influential. Well, I mean, they might be, but I, I wouldn't. Seen... Have, I wouldn't have seen them as being sort of, I guess, on that level as being a huge influence. Not in the level, say, uh, let's look at uh, probably a really well-known sort of. Um, Cult band, the Pixies, not in that level. No, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. But I uh, think, yeah, they're definitely yeah. Criti- critically acclaimed, and they've definitely got a pretty rabid sort of fan base as well. So now, c- correct me if I'm wrong. They're mm. also the band that had a member go missing and has never yes. been found. Correct? Yes, yes. Nikki, yeah. was it Nikki Wire? I think was the basis. Yeah, for I, Manic Street yeah, Preachers disappeared. Went for a walk, never came back. Yes, bizarre. So, bizarre. Yeah. And they, he still actually, um, I think one of the last Manic Street Preacher albums they released actually was um, lyrics from Nikki put to music okay. of theirs. So, and so this was like a sort of lost, lost lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Lost yeah. lyrics that were put yeah. to it. <laughs> so, which cult bands can get away with doing, I think. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? And I guess some uh, well, cult bands sort is, of have that tragic backstory to them as well. You, this is, Joy Division. This is the ra- – oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, but this is the rabid fan factor too because you can go, exactly. well, this <laughs> we never recorded these at the time because – At the time. Good or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, mm. our fans will take whatever we get. Exactly, um, exactly. Great song. Great oh, song. Oh, look, but, it's, it's their best album as well, I think you'll find. Mm, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a and, cracker and, on album. And it was around the time that they were at their peak, certainly here. Yeah, critic, the, it's a yeah. Critic, critically acclaimed album. I think it was nominated for a Mercury Music Prize, um, sold in the Squillions. It's definitely, I think, not so much their breakout album, their album before that, which had um, Everything Must Go on it. Um, yeah. And they got involved with the Chemical Brothers and things like that. It was just very much cool Britannica at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, so you had, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of there was this and there was Ash and there was Blur and Oasis. Oh, and yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah. you know, that real sort of Britpop sound. But Manic Street Preachers never really sort of fit into that because they always had that sort of air of slightly more intelligent than the rest of them. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah, they, and they certainly knew it more than anything else. You know, they knew they were the smartest people in the room. Yeah, and uh, and they quite liked the, um, okay, I guess the, yeah, the, the, the more thinking tune, the less poppy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Now, the next band and track I've listened to a lot because I've listened to this play, uh, playlist a lot. Yeah. And it's the one reason I know my antidepressants are working because <laughs> I've listened to this a thousand times in the last week and um, still feel pretty happy. So, which. <laughs> You can, you know, if you can get through the Smiths, because this guy, did they practically invent emo? Do you think? Oh, no, they were. That was the the what was it? Like the new wave, not so much new wave, really, was it? But you had sort of the goth emo, yeah. the cult, the Cure, oh, the yeah, Smiths. Okay. They came out of Manchester, so you know they've got that Manchester sort of. Miser- yeah. Miserability about them, well, yeah. <laughs> um, you um, know, like a Joy Division as well. But there was, what was that mm, thing where you know the Sex Pistols played in Manchester, and they reckon twenty-seven people went to the gig, but each one of them that was there oh, went to form a band. That that is famously, I think, at the beginning embellished. of the film, twenty-four yeah, hour party people. Yeah, it's, if, it's uh, an em- embellished story about yeah. you know, the influence. Oh, well, I, there is another embellished story in my list, and it is the same story, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, but a different band. So we'll talk about yeah. that. Then. Yeah. So th- I think that yeah, that was kind of that that whole story. But that's again, that's part of that cult thing. Are they influential? Yeah, the Smiths. Did- the Smiths fans are. Oh my god, they are devoted to a T. Oh yes, it's yeah. the the constant hope that Morrissey and. Um, Oh God, who's the other artist? Jesus, just slip oh, my mind, um, man. I've had a complete brainwave. Johnny Ma. Johnny Ma. God, someone. I'm going to be no? emailed by Smiths fans now. I can guarantee it. Mm, um, no. Yeah. So Johnny Ma and Morrissey get back together again. There's that yeah. real sort of hope that's driving it. Except that Morrissey is a genuinely reprehensible human being, and is oh, like yeah. now yeah. sits way, way, way to the far right. And Johnny Marr mm. is like about as left as they come. So I think there was a recent tweet. Um, someone tweeted uh, Johnny Marr and said, look, is there any truth to the rumour that you and Morrissey are getting back together so that I can sell my children and buy a ticket for the tour? And <laughs> I think Johnny Marr's ret- reply was, uh, it will be Nigel Farange on guitar. So... <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I don't think they're getting back together again. But the Smiths were definitely critically acclaimed. 
They've definitely yes. got a rabid fan base. And I would say that the Smiths were actually quite influential in, I guess, in you know, bringing that sort of pop darkness more to the forefront of what it was. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of artists out there who'd said, oh, look, I was very influenced by the Smiths and by Morrissey and, you know, a lot of the, the work they were doing sort of bringing these two sort of polar sounds together, you know, with Morrissey's real sort of intelligent sort of art school lyrics and yeah. Johnny Mars, you know, guitar work. And it was almost His like guitar a, on this track in particular is amazing. It's brilliant. This is, yeah. this is an iconic track as well. You know, if you wanted to have cult songs, I guess you could oh. say How Soon Is Now by the Smiths would be one yes. of them. Absolutely. This is, yeah. And, yeah, a song, I, arguably I don't think there's a, a, a person who grew up in the 80s or the 90s for that matter who isn't, fully aware of this song who doesn't turn it up when it comes on and just yeah. go, oh, yeah, here we go. Well, I, I mean, my my 17-year-old daughter plays a lot of the Smiths. And right. that's that's yeah. a sign of a, you know, of a, an artist or a cult yeah. um, group that is influenced across multiple generations. Probably doesn't cover as a cult, but, you know, there's definitely iconic cult artists. They can almost be interchangeable in a certain sense. But I think Smiths, with their the level of devotion that the fans have towards the Smiths. You know, and there's people now who finally go, I just can't throw out my Smiths and my Morrissey albums because I just love them too much despite how, you know, how much of a turd Morrissey decides he's going to become. They just can't yeah. do it because they're that physically attached to it. You know, they're that invested into the cult of the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. And... uh Interestingly enough, um, Johnny Marr went on to join one of my favourite bands and a band that I think very nearly should have been on my list but for whatever reason wasn't, Modest Mouse. So um, now, again, not on the list, apologies for that, people, but they he joined the band, I think, mid-2000s, uh, for an album called We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. That's so, a great album. Oh, that is an is absolute banger a, of an album. Yes. The tracks on it are, yeah, Dashboard and um, oh, Fire It Up. and Yeah, and mm-hmm. to me he adds to that band. But, again, they're another cult band. Their fans love them. Uh, they're critically very good. They, yeah, um, not huge success, I suppose. But, yeah, interesting that and, – and not known for their bright, shiny outlook on life. So no. uh, the fact that Johnny Marr left the Smiths to – or not left, but ended up in that band um, just sort of makes me uh, makes me smile a little bit because you go, yeah. yeah he, uh, did, he did do a bit of fluff with electronic, though. Yes. You have to yeah. admit, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've all got – man's got to pay the bills, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think the, the Smiths the Smiths didn't sell huge in their time. They sort of I guess, you know, they're looked upon more favorably sort of now. now but yeah, I don't I think, think they sold true. a huge amount in their time. So Yeah. No, that's possibly true. Um mm. now Muse. I reckon Muse are a cult, I think. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Muse fans will insist that Muse are the greatest band to have ever graced the world. And people who don't like Muse just go, nah, I don't care. 
So, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're either all or they're nothing. And I think Muse are probably the most modern culty band on my um, on my list. Yeah. Don't I think I, don't. I, I like I like some Muse, but their albums are a bit of a slog to get through just quietly. I think there's only ever like one or two tracks on each album that I can listen to again and again. The rest of it's just like guys yeah. just get your heads out of your ass and seriously just no, I don't know wrap it up wrap it up anytime soon it's queen crossed with u2 with the Ooh. production values of pink floyd it's yes and the right pop sensibilities now, of coldplay yes yeah now now you would think you go oh, queen crossed with u2 that should be good. No. <laughs> I'd, I'd be in on that yeah 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 but it's like saying mixing bourbon and vodka they both taste all right on their own, but realistically, <laughs> realistically you, have, not. you have them mixed. It's going to end badly, right? Yeah. Initially, it's going to sound great, right? Fantastic. Right? Even the first one or two glasses might be all oh, right. It's going to be all right. Exactly right, right? Which is the, the track, say, for example, that you played or the other one that mm. – yeah, yeah, like some of them individually. Undis- undisclosed tracks. desires or nights in yeah, Sidonia. Uh, There's probably the yeah, three and, biggest oh, news tracks. The other, and the other one that I love, the is it the the final wave or the third wave? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but that's the same thing. It's overblown and everything's like, yeah, um, we'll yeah, which dial is great. Everything up to eleven. Dial everything up to eleven. But you know, you know, by the fourth track. That bourbon and vodka, it's uh, really starting to bite. So uh, Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's that's where they're at. Now, do their fans have a particular name? Are they they call themselves something, is that? No. I I'm did. thinking of someone else, some other band. <laughs> they're musicians? I don't know. Oh, that's, no. a, that's, a, that's a particularly terrible pun, isn't it? I do apologise. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm thinking of a different band. But, yeah, they are. They do have some rabid fans, uh, I agree. Yeah. So that's yeah. that gives them the cult status. Yep. Right, right there. Right. And right there again. Kind of, I think do you, if, like- you know we're talking. You know, they're mixed between Queen and U two. U two took themselves seriously, but could write decent pop tunes. Queen could write, you know, overblown stuff. But I don't think Freddie took himself especially seriously. Um, and yeah, but and, here's, you know, here's my point: you combine those two things. Yeah, exactly. You know, the but whole Muse thing take is, themselves incredibly seriously in everything that they do. I think you two you know, took Queen, themselves Queen really, really, really seriously for a long, long time. Yeah, and then, then learnt they reinvented themselves and didn't take themselves seriously, and that, yeah, to me, endeared them to a whole bunch of new fans. But then there's still plenty of people with you two who go. Oh God, I can't stand them because everything, so up everything and... up to the Joshua Tree, and then beyond that, they don't exist. Yes, maybe well, that's one hum, group you know, of fans. Rattle and hum is where they just sort of walk away. Oh, yeah, rattle, rattle and hum pushed me away. I just <laughs> there's some there's some great tracks on that, but there are some terrible, terrible ideas going on there. I think that pushed a lot of their own fans away. But then to me, Actung Baby. Is a, a fine, fine work of art. To me, that's their mm. best album. Um, so, but I know, don't yeah. think Muse Muse don't have an Actung Baby in them. I don't think that they would ever be able to reinvent themselves as uh, no, something other than and being and totally they're, they're, overblown. There is the problem. But they're, they're a band that 
because of their rabid fandom, would be allowed to reinvent themselves? Oh, I don't think so. Well, I don't think I don't think the Miz would have that capacity to do it. So, oh yeah, so maybe they don't. But I think would their yeah. well, their fans should accept it because Miz can do no wrong, according to their fans. Well, according to their fans, but yeah. you know, if you have a look, there's a couple of other, or there's one band on our, my list specifically that has a formula, sticks to the formula, and you know, their fans will lap it up constantly. Yes, constantly, again and yes. again and again. They do. Have do you want to talk about? Do you want to? Do you want to talk? Yeah, about why don't we talk Kiss about Army? Kiss right now? <laughs> Let's talk about the Kiss Army right now. Well, and Kiss actually did. Did they not their just cancel their tour? Oh, it's they cancelled their gig. Yes. So Gene, has Gene got? Is it Gene's man got flu. the flu? Gene's yeah, got the flu, which at his age, right, oh, it could, could be, be fatal. Sixty-seven right, or sixty-eight yeah. or something, isn't he? Yeah, could well some, kill him. Could well kill him. I wouldn't wish it upon him. No, um, <laughs> I think I think that man's got a reasonably strong immune system. He's. I'm, yes. I'm just saying. Yeah, he uh, he has the flu, so wasn't allowed to fly. No, or isn't yet allowed to fly. So the uh, the Perth leg of the tour has been switched from the front end with to the Auckland. back end. Yeah, they with switched where? the gig yeah. with Auckland, and now right. with Auckland, and now Auckland don't actually have a gig. Right. Okay. So yeah. Sorry, New so, Zealand. You missed yeah. out. So that's that's how everything rolls there. But um, mm. I have a friend who has just been on a Kiss cruise, i.e. A cruise that Kiss were the house band on. Wow, just yeah, yeah. Wow, um, that's he's a massive yeah. fan. He actually is in a band that does acoustic Kiss covers called Acoustic Kiss. Oh my god! So uh, well, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, useless bit of trivia time. There's two bands on this list that were my two first experiences into live music. Kiss. Was yes. one of them, but that was through a Kiss cover band called Dynasty, who played in the Catanning Town Hall when I was twelve. Nuts! Oh, yeah, that was that I was it. it. And Primus, Primus was my first. Did you first rock and roll over, all night? I mean, I I did do and partied most of the day every day. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, right. Uh, yeah, and Primus were my first overage gig at eighteen. So nice. Nice. Yeah, so there's a little That's... bit of bookending, a little bit of bookending there, which is really, really good. But no, Kiss fans are like ridiculously fanatical. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are the very definition of a cult. The Kiss Army, like yes. they will, you know, they get painted up. They will, yeah. you know, multiple, multiple cover. It is having your own cover band a prerequisite to being a cult, like being a cult uh, artist. I, I think. Uh, I I think what it is it, it it's probably a oh, oh no because I would, I would imagine for a big okay so go through yeah. your list right I, I would believe there's no Manic probably... Street Preachers cover band correct there's no Muse cover band because Not nobody yet. can do Muse like Muse no um, there's it's... certainly no Mr Bungle cover band. <laughs> no, Mr. Bung- no one can nobody cover owns Bung- enough instruments. Um, <laughs> we'll come back to that. There is a Kiss cover band. Um, there I don't are- think there's Radiohead. No, Black Flag. Uh, Black Flag were their own cover band. Kind of. Well, yeah, we'll come to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't think. I think Kiss are the only one on that list that actually have their own cover band. 
Yeah, I know or Pink on my, Floyd on my do. List anyway. And see, so, and yeah, um, I don't rate Pink Floyd as a cult band. So no, um, no. I, Kiss, I are, Kiss are strictly working on the fact that they have a fanatical fan base because they're not critically acclaimed. Not they're at very all. generic in everything they do. Uh, um, they, they, I mean, particularly the track you chose. <laughs> as good it's as the it is, generic, the most is generic as, Kiss song that I could find. It is generic <laughs> rock. Yeah. Bang, we we'll talk out. about drinking, smoking, <laughs> yeah. uh, getting to a gig. Yeah. you got to rock. Well, it, it, yeah. there's, but, you know, there's one of those coming-of-age movies out there called Detroit Rock Detroit City, rock which City. is like a bunch of, you know, 17-year-olds trying to get a, to a kiss gig. Yeah. You know, so, I love that film. That's a great film. Yeah, it's, it's a banger of film too. Yeah. But, so, um, you know, yeah, and there's certainly, right, but, I don't think Kiss were ever influential, I guess, not in, not in a oh, musical I, sense, no, maybe in a theatrical sense. In a, in a stylistic sense because I think yeah. if you look at um, uh, the, shall we call them the hair rock uh, heavy metal bands of the yeah. 80s yeah, and yeah, 90s, and, Marilyn um, Manson as well. You could argue Marilyn yep. Manson took a yeah, lot maybe. of cues from Kiss. Yeah, um, but certainly from a look point of view, I mean, I'm just trying to think, uh, you know, bands like Poison and... Uh, um, <laughs> Motley Crue, yeah. the, qu- Motley the quality, Crue. The quality yeah. hair bands of the 80s. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So I, I think they, not necessarily the wearing of stage makeup the way Kiss did, but certainly having no. a, a, a show that was was beyond just two guitars or three guitars and, and, and some drums and you know just yeah. just hard rocking that that well that's it, it. they developed that fact that you needed some sort of gimmick and you needed some sort of you know like the light shows the pyrotechnics the yep. that sort of thing so I think yes you could tick the influential box but not in a good way. Um, no. or, or not I was, great, I was yeah. tempted actually Kiss for, for one reason or another I put Kiss on there instead of Iron Maiden so which uh, I would argue that Iron, Iron Maiden are very much a cult band but we, yeah. we did have a brief discussion on Messenger recently about whether or not heavy metal bands are by themselves a cult band which I, I would argue that they're not because um, because there are certain bands you can listen to and go, yeah, that's great, and they sit within that genre. But specific devotion to a band, there are some that are definitely like that. Iron I was going to say, one. Slayer is definitely one of them. Don't some people have a, a real following within that? So there, there's almost the, and again, I'm not not in that scene enough, but the Holden versus Ford mentality. We're all rev heads, yeah. but we, yeah, we, you know, we're yeah, all metal heads, so to speak, but. You know, Iron Maiden's the best, and you know what are you doing listening to Slayer or Vice versa? Oh no, nah, Iron, Iron no. Maiden fans will listen to almost nothing else but Iron Maiden. Admittedly, right. Iron Maiden's got that many albums that you could spend yeah. your entire life listening to them. But yeah, Iron Maiden fans are very, very fanatical about just Iron Maiden. Mm. Okay, yeah, there are other stuff that they'll touch on, but mostly they'll just keep coming back to Iron Maiden. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Now, right. speaking now. of, uh, no, I want to go to Mr. Bungle next. 
about bloody time we put some bungle on our playlist. To, uh, no, well, remember when Weezer was the most mentioned band mm-hmm. that had never been on a playlist? Yeah, Bungle. Well, that mantle has since been taken over by Mr. Bungle, and now we have rectified that. And in a fine way, this is a oh, this is a cracker track. It is the a way doozy. It this this changes is... pace and moves into that little waltzy shuffle bit at the. Yeah, this is. This is a brilliant track. Mr. Bungle, uh, a cult band purely because they are—they're very influential. So um, there are a number of bands out there who've just gone. We try yep. to incorporate stuff in there because Mike and Trey and everybody else were doing it first. Um, yeah. All right. For those who don't know who Mr. Bungle is, Mr. Bungle was yeah, give or is Mike Patton's first band it was the band that he was in before he joined faith no more back in the late 80s um it was the band that got him signed and got his attention and it was just him and a bunch of schoolmates who decided they would try and play every single song at once and (laughs) they are incredibly musically talented i mean mike's a multi-instrumentalist um trey's a brilliant guitarist who actually joined faith no more at one point as well because mike said they need to get him into the band yeah, um, which didn't work. I think it was the King for the King for a Day album, and oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So these guys they've released. I think it's three albums. I'm probably going to be corrected on this one. I'm a reasonable Bungle fan, but I'm not obsessively Bungle like a friend of mine is. She's like just <laughs> she's like full on into anything that Mike and like you know bungle do she's like met the members of the band and everything like that so um, i know exactly who you're yeah, yeah. hey helen how are you um hello <laughs> and yeah so that's the background of it mike's obviously used you know his success in faith no more to then you know give bungle a little bit more of a leg up got them signed to a major deal um released this I think this is the California album, which was their third album. I think so. Yeah, um, and that's definitely their most polished stuff. There was this. This was the probably the most radio friendly track that I could put on there, which is strange because you know I put another track on there that's completely not radio friendly. But <laughs> there's there was this my my other choice my other choice on this was going to be my asses on fire, which is off their first album. But um, that's a little bit more. Uh, crazy, and there's there's some really good footage out there of um, Mr. Bungle playing at a festival in Denmark. I think it's called the Bizarre Festival, and this is probably going back ten years or thereabouts. And they are able to bring every single element of what they did in the studio oh, to wow, a live really? yeah. setting. Yeah, and but they change the songs around a little bit more, you know. So, yeah. um. Just the ability that these guys have to be able to mould and mix and change their sound within a sound, you know, and that's yeah. always been the attraction of Bungle is they do not fit into any one category. People saying, oh, they're metal. Nah. And it's not, no, well, they're not because this is like a swing track or this mm. is like a, you know, a surf rock track or this is, yeah. you know, or it's got all three of them within a 30-second sort of there, pyramid. There's you know, parts period. of that track that you go, am I listening to the B-52s? Yeah, Exactly. It's, exactly. So yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. They draw every single influence they have, and they put them in there. Some people wear their influences on their sleeve. Bungle have a pretty big sleeve, and they yeah. wear all of their influences on it. Yeah, no, love it. Definite cult band. Yeah, as you say, critically acclaimed. 
not terribly uh, well known. Yeah, but not terribly well known, yeah. And rabid fans. And rabid fans. Rabid fans, absolutely. We know one, as you say. Mm. Uh, now, Primus. Speaking Primus. of rabid Speaking fans. Speaking of rabid fans, yes, a.k.a. Oh, me. You are a rabid fan, I know. Oh, I love and Primus. Many rabid fans. Yeah, Primus uh, suck. Critically acclaimed? Uh, probably not. Probably no. not. Okay. No. Influential? Primus, oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, um, Les Claypool, I think, has been a bassist hero for a lot of people, to be honest. Yes. So, um, no one seems to be able to play like Les. And the thing, the thing with the rabid fans yeah. on Primus as well is we all know that Primus are a little bit strange. We all know that Primus are not going to be fit, not really going to fit into anything specifically because no. they are set up so completely different from any other band. Normally, if you've got like a, a bassist of Les's quality, the songs will always have an element of funk to them. I mean, you listen to a lot, you yeah. know, Bootsy Collins or um, uh, Sly from Sly and the Family Stone. The um, there's a, the, They both have that element of funk to their bass playing, whereas Les doesn't. And I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm not saying that Les doesn't have funk in him. He's definitely, you know, has the ability to play a funky bass track, but it seems to sort of just be stripped back and played at like a. No, no. What, yeah. what it is is ultimately is funk still treats bass as a rhythm instrument. Les Claypool plays as a bass lead, as, as a lead, a lead instrument. instrument. You could. That they've almost switched out the function mm. of how that's happening, and you're getting you're getting basically your your your, your lead. and the guitar and the guitar gives the drive instead of the bass yeah. giving the drive. Yeah, 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 exactly right. So yeah, that's that's the way I'd you know yeah we we where you know that particularly you know on this track that do 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 at the beginning yeah. you know that arguably any other band. You give them the same track, or even if you covered it, you'd go, I can't do that on a bass. I can't I'll, do that I'll, on I'll a bass. Play, but I'll play that on the guitar all day long. I've I'm seen. play that on the bass. When I saw Les and Primus live, Les alternated between a four, a five, an eight string bass, and a cello. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All in the same so, gig. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's so incredibly talented, and there's that, as you know, sort of urban myth that when he um after cliff burton died in the bus crash for metallica yeah that les applied to play bass for metallica and they turned him down because he was too talented oh. there was some, <laughs> that's that's the urban story goes around and les has actually come out and said nah look i i applied but i was never really going to fit in to Metallica, no, let's be honest. No, let's yeah. you, can you imagine metallica and promise like the bigs of metallica and promise oh that would oh. we'd end up with like we'd end up with like the metal version of Muse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think anybody really needs to listen to. Be bourbon and vodka with tequila shots to chase it. Ugh, yeah. Ah, would have been good. No, nah, Oregon would have been great for about yeah. five minutes while it lasted. About five minutes. Yeah, yeah. good for a yeah. laugh, and then you just sort oh, of go, "No, nah, this is old, quick." Like a train crash. You don't want to see it happen, but boy, you're still going to yeah, watch yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, you know you're still going to go. Wow, that was impressive. So, no, that would have been something. So, all right, I'm going to go in a little bit of an order here. Yep. 
We're out of order. Out of order. I want to save the punk. I want to talk about yep. Radiohead. I This was the one I questioned. They nearly went on my list. Yeah. And I was thinking slightly different criteria than you, mm-hmm. but now that you've outlined your criteria, I don't think we're that far apart. No. But my thing was I felt Radiohead were too successful. However, they absolutely nail just about all three of the categories that you've mentioned. Yeah. They are and uh, influential, yep. critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Their fans will let them do anything, which is why right. in turn they have managed to be so influential because they have moved been able to explore every single little every bit of every single area that yes, exactly right. So Radiohead you know, could like fart even, into a microphone and I would buy it. And people would buy it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So you know, even that shift from OK computer to kid A and then They got away with it. They got away with it immensely. And it just gave them the 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 wherewithal and the freedom to do absolutely anything that they want. And still, you know, a Radiohead album comes out and it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. They are. Radiohead were one of the first people that went off to um, distribute their own music via the internet. Yes. Yeah, no, they have. And, you know, remember they gave that album or, or pay what you think. Pay what you uh, pay what you want to pay for this album. Yeah, some people uh, paid ten bollocks. Some people paid nothing. Yeah, and I'm not going to say where I stood in that camp. <laughs> I don't think I'd bother. Be, that's between I, me and Radiohead. Radiohead. Yeah, but they they have. Uh, to me, I heard someone say this recently. In in terms of creativity, they are the closest thing. Creativity and how big they are and, and, and what they're prepared to push boundaries, they are the closest thing we have to the Beatles in this day and age. Yeah, I would imagine so because they don't tour either. Well, they very rarely tour. Oh, they don't tour as much. Yeah, they no, still do it. They very rarely they tour live. now, but they're most, they do mostly studio stuff. Yeah. And you know, they'll disappear off. I think Tom, Tom tours with other acts, like he's yes. got Adams for Peace and he does yeah. his own sort of stuff. Yeah. But I think Radiohead just every now and then they go, oh, okay, we're just going to get together and we'll jam and we'll release that as an album. And everyone yeah. just goes for a jam album. This is fantastic. You know, it beats yeah. like 90% of the other stuff that's out there. Yeah. But they'll just, they will push boundaries and try new things and just keep changing. And, and if you look at that period from the Beatles coming off the road till their eventual splitting up, clearly like a creative period where, where pop music changed. And got a little bit more serious, and 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 songs got quite amazing. And that's kind of what they are doing. They they give us this new standard that that previously didn't exist. Yeah, you know, I mean, OK Computer, one of the great albums ever. Kid A, uh, you know, Kid A critically di- acclaimed. I think Kid A again was nominated for a Mercury Prize. Yeah, but different different in sound. But still, oh, an amazing different. album. Like, and you yeah. go, how did you guys just do that? How did you switch and shift? And how did you do what yeah. appeared to be a, almost a complete U-turn in in your sound? Yeah, 
yeah, and get and, away with it. There's, I don't think, I don't think there's many other bands that could have done no. the things that Radiohead has done over the years and still have remained as successful as they do. And, yeah, that, and have been such an thing. influence on the way that music is released, the way that music is set up, the way that artists yep. approach albums. There's been, I would say, Radiohead have you know. Um, probably touched on more areas than the Beatles were, mostly because they're a yes. product of their time. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they've been able to influence across multiple sort of sections of but, but, the industry. But no, no, not just, nobody in the world is stretching boundaries like they are. No. And he, he, here's the other thing. The, these guys probably, and I don't think anyone else or too many others have this, for most people, if you don't like... A band, right? You'll say, "I don't like that band." That's right. I reckon anyone who doesn't like Radiohead knows doesn't enough like to music. know that that's no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. Knows <laughs> enough would. to know that that's that's more their problem than Radiohead's. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I yeah, don't like exactly. a band, you go, "Oh, that's they're, they're terrible. Oh, they're just not a good band. I don't like that." Whereas, if you don't like Radiohead, you go, "Oh." There's, I must be missing something. Yeah, that's it. What, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? As what, compared what, what to am not, I doing what, wrong? What a Radiohead wrong in this yeah. relationship? What am I doing wrong that I don't like Radiohead? That's and there is not a band in the world. <laughs> How I can, can I go away for. and improve myself to the point where I understand Radiohead and what they're doing? Yeah, yeah. Like if you don't like them, you probably feel like you should be at least yeah. doing the research to work out what what's going Why? on there. Yeah. Why? So. Yeah, no, they are a a cult band and a great cult mm. band at that. So, talk about. Right. Uh, I, I want to talk about two of your tracks together. I think, but yep. I want to talk about Black Flag because to me, yeah. that well, <laughs> the beginning of Back, the punk on Black our Flag are the cult band that became a cult band. Yes. Yeah, that's it's it's amazing, amazing. Those who don't know the backstory, um, Black Flag were a very influential punk band um, in the late seventies, early eighties, and yep. Henry Rollins, who was a massive, massive fan, like to the obsessive fan of Black Flag, pestered them so much that when they yeah, their lead singer yeah. quit, he went up to them and said, "I want to sing in your band," and they let him sing in the band, and then they it's became just more of a cult band. Nuts that yeah, this guy had been such a super fan. It's, it's an amazing. That, it is an absolutely yeah, and amazing around story. So much at gigs, yeah, that he just found his way into the band. I just uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just give um, this guy a gig so he'll just nuts. stop pestering us. I think so. Yeah, yeah, without doubt. With and then song. Rollins has gone on to be a cult artist in himself. He's sort of. Well, very much protest yeah. type music. His spoken words tour is yeah. spoken word stuff. He does his stand up comedy as well. You know, he does acting and everything. Is like he's very much this sort of peripheral figure around, or not peripheral figure, but he's like a very influential figure around sort of you know underground yeah. and indie yeah, sort yeah, of exactly. movies yeah. and acts and music as so, well. So yeah, no, without a doubt, he is uh, he is well and truly um, in that. And yeah, Black Flag, like you say, what a what a story there! Now, they were, they were, yeah, they were, they were a pretty, I wouldn't say a big band, but they were certainly well known within the yeah. sort of punk movement of the, you know, of the time. And I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, I've read 
I read Get in the Van oh, many, yeah, many yeah, years yeah. ago, which is Rollins's sort of journal on the early yeah. years of when he was in Black Flag and they were just touring incessantly. But I'd, I'd still struggle to work out exactly how he sold himself to the point of actually getting into the band. From what I understood was he was literally basically revolving his life around the band anyway, as in, you know, playing... <laughs> Yeah, you know, if if they were in a city nearby, he would hitchhike to it, or you know, like this guy is yeah, constantly yeah. at our gigs. So then, I guess, you know, they saw him enough. Someone's spoken to him, and yeah, yeah. So clearly, yeah, he I knows all the words. I don't to quite the know, but I have yeah read a story or heard a heard a story from him being interviewed about how he just showed up and showed up at so many Black Flag gigs that yeah, when their lead singer left, it was. He was, you know, not the automatic choice, but it was like, yeah, oh, the, the well, could you do it? The, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think well, it was, there's this guy here, and he's not, he's not asking for much money because we well, haven't got. I much don't money. think they had any. Yeah, so I think it was no. just this whole. Um, it was, it was that, or just stop touring, stop. <laughs> you know, stop the band yeah. because there's no. Yeah, it's not like there's a queue of applicants or. You know, we're in a position where we can, uh, uh, you know, interview everybody else or or anybody yeah. else or Absolutely. all that sort of stuff. I think it was just like, uh, you know, this is who we have and that's I, – I don't know, but it's a great story. I love it. So I, I want to talk to you about your final two tracks. My final two tracks on there. Uh, Transition, which sounded like a self-help um, – <laughs> scenario yep. and self-help uh, track and the moody and man moody, track which uh, man. sounded like also something that self-help uh, self-help i guess if you uh <laughs> are that way inclined it was uh yeah it was quite right. full-on what's the story right. there let let me paint you a picture well i think when moody you, man when did think, to be honest yeah no he does he does but he paints a very Galaxy to Galaxy is one of the alter egos of Mad Mike Banks from Detroit. Now, Mad Mike Banks is one of the founding members of Underground Resistance. Right. Underground Resistance are perhaps the most influential outside of the big three originators of techno. Underground Resistance are probably the biggest and best known Detroit artists out there because right. they are they infuse music, socio-political sort of activism, very, very strong black movement and a lot of um, strong um, sort of empowerment of Detroit itself. Yeah, Moody Man is Kenny Dixon Jr., who is a also from Detroit. Now these two right. go hand in hand, pretty much. So there was an art, a little mini documentary that I saw on Facebook that was with regards to Kenny Dixon, yeah. and they had the guys from Underground Resistance, specifically Mad Mike Banks, um, talking about how much of an influence Kenny is on Detroit. And how right. much of an influence he is on, um, you know, the music scene in general. Yeah, I am well and truly in the cult of Moody Man. Oh, that's uh, a great he just track. released. He released a new album, well, not a new album, but a new um, 
record basically that had some of the stuff he'd been playing live and a couple of unreleased okay. tracks not long and this was released at a barbecue at his house that some people <laughs> just happened to get to now that's, Kenny that's pretty cold Kenny is huge, Kenny is huge on Detroit the man wears the Detroit City logo on his clothing he right. his albums are recorded mastered and pressed in Detroit Oh, so everything does not get done outside of Detroit. The man lives and breathes Detroit. He is an absolute genius producer. He's been around for many, many years. I've got multiple, multiple copies of his stuff. I love his stuff. Now, this is from his self-titled album called Moody Man, constantly, yeah. which is the one that he actually started singing on. So previous oh, to that, okay. he had a lot of sort of soul samples a lot of r&b samples in his music um sort of pushed boundaries between house and techno this is the first album that he's really sort of come to the front as being sort of like a leading singer and a leading act so there's this track which is all right f-bomb alert freaky motherfucker which is an absolute banger of a track i love this track so much if if i could play this in every single dj set that i ever did i would yeah because it is such a good track. You know, yeah. the the line right at the end of it, it says, you don't even like this song, you just dig the hook. Yep. That is, yeah. for me, yeah. what <laughs> what absolutely sums up the work that Kenny does. It is uh, but the hook is it brilliant. Is fantastic. Oh, the hook is great. It's amazing. Yeah, the, yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. And that hook itself spins through the entire album. Yes, okay. So, all right, I'm yeah, so if you listen to the whole album... There are tracks in there, and all of a sudden, tracks will slow down, and this hook and the will hooks just start. Right it's there. almost like you, you yeah. start, like when you press start on a record and it winds yeah. its way, with yeah. like you know, really slow to really quick. You yeah. can hear this hook winding in on multiple ah. tracks all the way through the album. It is such a great album, but even his early stuff, you know, was very influential on the way a lot of artists started producing house and releasing house music and pressing their own labels. A lot of that, though, as well, has come from the work that Mike Banks and the guys from Underground Resistance initially did. So Underground Resistance initially was Mike Banks, Jeff Mills, and Robert Hood. Now, all three of those artists are amazingly influential within techno itself. Robert Hood basically went and, I would say, trademarked minimal techno. Okay. Jeff Mills is a um, one of the original superstar DJs in my eyes. Is a man that constantly tours, constantly DJs, has pushed the boundaries of what can be done live with techno over the yeah. years. Underground Resistance, they have remained true to their socio-political roots. Do not go outside of um, Detroit as such, oh, okay. like with um, you know their music, but they've also started to um, incorporate you know artists from other impoverished is probably not the right words but like lower socioeconomic sort of um groups like they've got some south american artists on their roster they've got some um you know i think they've got a couple of basque you know artists on their roster as well so they but they always push first for detroit and they always push first for um you know, that political message in their music. They're very strongly linked to the Black Panthers as well that went through oh, the okay. Yeah. So, but both of these artists are intertwined in the mythology that is Detroit. Detroit, Detroit techno. techno, yeah, which is 
Yes, almost a cult of itself. Well, it is, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, oh, but both cracking tracks, I have to yes. say. Yeah, the, so, only, the reason I put the Galaxy to Galaxy track on there is because I couldn't find the rest of the Underground Resistance stuff on Spotify. Oh, okay. So, oh, right. yeah, they are they are notorious for um, not putting stuff or making stuff available, so they have limited pressings of all of their stuff. Right, okay. They had that, uh, yeah, that whole sort of uh, make it hard to get. That's kind mm. of, yeah, a cult That's thing. It's kind of cultish as well, is it? Yeah. Well, we're done. Yeah, we're I'll done. We're done it. with me. Let's go to you. Yes. Let's okay. Look at yours. All right. So what, look. What, I, what were the influences on your list? What would what what made that criteria that criteria? I had a very similar thing. I I kind of went for influential, um, yep. and more than anything, in some cases, um, rabid fans. But I I think more more about influential, and in some cases. Bands that I genuinely knew about but had never heard, which speaks from a time more, more um, prior pre to, I, I guess, pre, pre-internet, pre-streaming, where just yep. actually getting a hold of some of this stuff was impossible. So as we go through, I'll tell you some of the stories, but... Yeah, I'll, go for I'll start with the Lead Belly track, if you like. Mm-hmm. And the reason I even thought of this was because... Hey, kids, where have you heard this track before? Correct, yes. And that album, one of the great live albums ever, and I want to talk to you about that in a minute, um, came up in my new releases feed. So I believe there's been a new release of it because a it must reissue. be yep. yeah reissue because it must be 25 years and so it came out in 94 mm-hmm. so and so it, it, it got me thinking so not so much that lead Belly's the cult artist here but the whole idea of the blues as a a thing where musicians of our time and uh, contemporary musicians have always felt free to plunder, if you like. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and and I reckon, you know, like l- l- talking about the Nirvana MTV special album, it was almost a bit of a, a flex by, by Kurt to go, look at this, we know this stuff as well. You know, yeah. we're, not, we're not just... Um, we're not just bro- some snot-nosed kids. Yeah, well, we're not here breaking the rules. We actually know the rules. And... So I, I just felt it was a little bit of a flex from him on that front. Um, and so, like I say, you go back and you listen to the thing. Now, we're never going to listen to Lead Belly, man. It, this track is its dull. Whereas yeah. Kurt puts a life into it that, that, that it's got no business having. Um, it's, and, and just makes it a, a brilliant track. As he does with the David Bowie track on that album, and that's I, again, I want to talk to you about that in a minute. But yep. so I, I, I just put Lead Belly on there as generic blues artist that that I think we only become aware of um, because of artists. Yeah. So they're they're influencing what we hear. I mean, quite clearly they influenced what we heard on that. Um, 
Yeah, but the blues in itself, the blues in itself is almost a cult genre. Oh, absolutely! Because yes. it's got you've got to really be a student of the blues to play the blues. You need you need to know your history. You need to know your oh, yeah, influential yeah. artists. You need to know the sounds and you know the the nuances of the genre before you can actually be involved in the genre. It's not something you can just sort of wade into. Well, you can, I think, because you you can't wade into playing it. But I no. think I think what happens is if you say to me, "Do you like the blues?" Yeah, yeah, of course I do. I love the blues, right? No, I don't. I like the versions that have been served up to me by artists that I like. Like, I mean, Jack White yep. is a massive student of the blues, right? Yeah, he's always chucking in lines from. You know, old blues songs. He's often covering blues songs. He's, you know, all the rest of it. You know, he knows all these artists. He's grown up on it, all the rest of it. Do I want to go and listen to the artists he's grown up on? No, not necessarily. Um, Am I happy that he's got that and, and, and interpreted it into a format that I like in 2019 or, you know, for most of the 2000s now? Absolutely. So you're right. So that's, that's kind of why, uh, Lead bellies in there, but I just want to talk about that um, album for a second. The the Nirvana live album that has yep. been twenty five years. Yeah, what right. I wouldn't mind doing as a bit of a one off special uh, for the middle age mixtape because it's an album I know we both love. Correct. Yep. Yes, absolutely. We should have a good old listen to it over the next few days and record again maybe early next week, mm-hmm. and just go through and discuss it track by track. I think we should do that. Special edition for the fact. Special that, edition. Because I think that is almost the equal of any of Nirvana's studio albums. It's probably the album that they're most remembered for, I guess, within, within the general population. So a lot of people will remember Smells Like Teen Spirit, but they won't sit down and actually know all of the bits and the nuances and everything. Of, for, of Nevermind, um, yeah. Of Nevermind, or, or yeah. especially of In Utero. Oh, no, but absolutely not, yeah. You can yeah. sit people down and they'll go, I know just about every single infliction on the live yeah. Yeah, MTV Live. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm willing to do that. We'll do that all next right. week. So start having a listen to that. And we'll, we'll insert little pause breaks if you like into the podcast so that punters who listen can go can away go and away. listen to the track and then come back and discuss yeah. so so that's how we'll do that so that's uh um stay tuned that's stay tuned for that i think that'll be good um yeah now let's, next let's up, move on yeah in the street by big star yeah you ever heard of big star where have, I heard that? Uh, where have you heard, heard that track, track? where heard have you heard the track, the track? yeah where have you heard that the track? Show. It's the theme song to that show, 70s show, correct? <laughs> yep. I've gone prior to that. Few... I had no idea what it was, uh, mate. I had... Then when I heard it, I went, "Oh, there you go." Never heard of this band ever, right? Yep. Up until I had a bit of a listen to a classic albums podcast about. I saw one about Graceland, so I thought I'm going to have a listen to that. And then the same people did one on Big Star, and. They had a little bit of a five-minute thing afterwards, and I had a bit of a listen to. I haven't listened to the one about Big Star. I've never heard of this band. 
So then we're doing, uh, um, well, I'm doing this cult. This, they must be a cult band. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Google them, listen to a few tracks on iTunes, and I've heard this other name. Same deal. I'm like, this is really familiar. Yeah. Right? And it's pretty catchy. It's a catchy tune. And uh, so I you know, put it on the list. Turns out, the interestingly enough, for the TV show, two people have recorded the theme song. In the first season, it was just some nobody. In the yep. second season and onwards, and apparently it became a, a big hit for them, Cheap Trick recorded it. Oh, jeez. Yep. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yep. now I remember now. Yeah, yeah. So they had. Uh, so when the show wasn't a hit, cheap trick weren't involved. But uh, <laughs> they know a good thing when they got onto it the next time. But yeah, that's uh, right. so it's not the big star version, obviously, that is uh, played on that. But um, the bloke who wrote the song in Big Star is a man called Alex Chilton, oh, and that led me straight into that's the, replacements. Where the replacements. Comes yes, nice. so. Nice. Um, I'm guessing, well, when you listen to Alex Chilton, um, it's a massive, massive um, hero worship fanboy. song. Fanboy. This man's it's, a massive fanboy moment, isn't it? It is a huge fanboy song, and I'd, I'd heard that song before. I'm not sure where, but um, I thought, all right. So, and I like the song. It's pretty cool. Uh, mm. But that's, that's why the replacements are on there. And, again, they have probably influenced... Again, bands that we love too, the Pixies and and others, and yeah. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a that was a bit of an influence chain, I suppose. It was a little bit of a one two one yeah, two bargain. You the got one there. two punch yeah. there. I, it was, yeah. uh, um, but both yeah. both cracking catchy tracks that uh, um, one leads to the other. One led to the other. So um, there you go. Have you worked? So, Yes, yeah. but let's let's look at let's look at the big punch. Let's look at the big one on here, and these are probably. Oh, could you get any more culty than the Velvet Underground? I don't think so. And then again, we were talking about the story of the Sex Pistols, and uh, mm. twenty-seven people seeing them uh, in Manchester that time. The yep. Velvet Underground version of that story goes: thirty people bought the album, and all thirty started all 30 a band. Of them started a band, yeah. I reckon more than thirty people bought the album. Otherwise, I don't think we ever would have heard of them. No, really, um, or not? I don't know. Uh, so, no, I think we would have. I think we would have because they were, you know, they were around the fringes with Warhol in the sixties. Yeah, York. yeah, I guess. And so. there was that whole New York moment. Yeah, they might have. The album might not have sold well, but they were in the public consciousness because Warhol was in the public consciousness, much in the same way that Debbie Harry was as well. You know, early yeah. Blondie's early Blondie's not that great, but you know, the more that she's hung out with Warhol, the more she's become his muse, so to speak. You yeah, know, the, yeah. The better Blondie's, and that's not taking away anything from Blondie because Blondie are a fantastic band, and they yeah. probably they could probably fit themselves into the cult sort of category as well. But I think Velvet, yeah, Velvet, I think so. yeah, Velvet Underground probably are the the poster child for a cult band more than anything. Oh, I think else. so because they're, they're just because they've been so influential over the years. Just about every single person who picks up a guitar says, "Oh, I was influenced by the Velvet Underground." Yeah, and you know, um, another band I think that was a cult band but stopped being one. Um, REM actually covered this song. 
Yep. Um, so, which is again the version of it that I was familiar with, and then um, you hear this. So there's the thing you go, oh, I know this song. Hang on, but I've not heard this version. You know, like, mm. and and you realise that other bands have covered stuff and you know been uh, been influenced by it. But yeah, I think they're probably the mother of all cult bands in that respect in because that respect. they are supposedly the greatest influence. Yeah, so, that would yeah. be interesting. That are the are the Velvet. Uh, Name a more influential band than the Beatles. I, I think band. others have been more involved. The Beatles. The Beatles, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, uh, does that come from the fact that the Beatles were probably the first, you know, yeah. um, all-encompassing band? I guess in that sense, it's it's hard to take away the influence that these bands had from their, you know, the, the time that they were in. Oh, that's 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 the thing too, because it's it becomes certainly more fragmented mm. you know because you go right through the 60s everyone who picked up a guitar was trying to emulate the beatles because they were trying to emulate that success yeah wasn't necessarily because they liked the sound or whatever else they you know they were a fan but you know you're going back to a time there where that was like you know everybody listened to that because there was you know one TV show to watch at yeah, that time. There's, everyone's there's, on there's one radio show, yeah. station. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know, like um, whereas now, you know, I, I I don't think it would be possible to have that mass popularity of anything simply because everybody's plugged into so many different things. Yeah. No, whereas you know, is, then it was hard is, to miss. This is just a thought that I've had, though, as well. Yeah. Everyone was trying to be the Beatles because they were successful. Was everybody who was trying to be the Velvet Underground because they just enjoyed music? Did the Velvet uh, Underground, you know, because the Velvet Underground were very much art rock. Yeah. You know, they're all yeah. students of art. Yeah. Where, and they were yeah. sort of making music for art's sake, not for popularity's sake. Probably that, that explains why it never sold so well. But, oh, you know, yeah. because it's not music that you would just, you know, it takes some work to get into, you know. It does. A lot of people a little, say, I don't yeah. know art, but I know what I like. And the yeah. people that obviously like the Velvet Underground are the people that have gone on to be influenced by the Velvet Underground. You know, I think that maybe they they change I, I, the dynamic I, 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 I a little I suppose bit. What, what changes is it's where do you get your music? Yeah. Right? So if you're into that sound now, it's okay because you go, oh, you know, I can stream it or. Somebody might send me an MP3, or you know, even for unsigned bands, you go, "Hey, this is yeah." Not that I ever have anyone introducing me to bands like that, but hey, there's a, you know, there's someone you know on SoundCloud that's you know that's quite brilliant, which is you know essentially how Rex Orange County got big. So there's ways that that can happen now, whereas I guess previously. The only way you had success almost was either word of mouth or the radio played you. Yeah. So um, and Velvet Underground yeah. were very much word of mouth. Had to be. Had to be. Yeah. Although I imagine, just being in New York, there might have been smaller alternative <laughs> radio stations. Well, you've got um, what you've the, got eight million people. It's a, there's a lot of mouths yeah. to go around. It's not like you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not yeah. like you're someone in sleepy old Perth where there's like. Well, maybe, exactly. You know. You know, Fifty thousand people. Yeah, you listened to, and you, and you, you know, you pretty much think you know. Take the eighties in Perth. Mm. You know, you listen to one radio station or the other. 
almost, you know, in terms yep. of yeah, um, in terms of that. So, but yeah, very into, very influential. Yeah. No so doubt, let's no let's let's move on because we've got a lot of Australian acts to get through. Actually, we might look at one on the on the list as how you actually just. I would like to see you justify how this is a cult band or a cult act. Yeah. MC nine hundred foot Jesus. Explain oh, yourself, Mister Bishop. That's easy. Well, come right? on. That is down to the fact of how difficult it was to buy his album. Not <laughs> once, but twice. Twice. All right. Uh, yes. There's, a, there's clearly so, a story here, and I want to hear it. I looked everywhere when when this album came out, and Triple J used to play um, incessant tracks. Yeah, if only I had a brain, and but if you go, and occasionally the track I chose, "Buried at Sea," and then I would go and look for the album. Pfft, nowhere, 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 nowhere. Took me took me forever to find it. Loved it. Loved the album. Listen to it again today. Um, then I lent the CD to a friend who had it stolen. Um, frustratingly, the case was left. The CD was not. Which I had that happen to me once. That. God, that's the yeah. worst. There's nothing more frustrating than having the case but not the CD. And this is, of course, pre, you know, Napster or anything like that, so I couldn't exactly go and rip myself a new one. So later on in life, um, I was in a record store and I asked the guy whether he you know, could perchance order it for me. And he said, oh, man, it's out of print, but, you know, leave it with me, I'll leave us your number. And about three months later, he rang me up and said, yeah, I've tracked down a second-hand copy. Wow. It's coming over from South Australia. Nice. Um, uh, it'll be here tomorrow or whatever and come and pick it up. And I bought it again. That's how much I love this album. So I wow. figured... That's dedication. That is, that I, is, that is cultish. I reckon a man who goes out of his way to track down a rare album, yeah, of a a band that he enjoys. That's that's pretty. And the thing is, after this, right, the guy just quit. Nothing. Nothing. Never did anything again. That and that's that's cultish to me to turn around and go. I'm. uh, I'm. 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 You know. That's it. I'm done. I have no need. Yeah. So. um, So that's how I justify that. But it's a banging album. It's a, yep. it's got jazz. It's got um, a lot of spoken word stuff. I, I wouldn't call it hip hop or rap. In, no, it's in almost pure sense. Trip, it's almost trip hop. You remember trip hop? Trip hop was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's a, it's a cracker. And yeah, like I say, I just, given that it was hard to buy, it was, um, I. I I imagine, like, he probably sold three copies in Australia and I I bought two you of those. Bought two of them, yeah. <laughs> I might, might have bought the first one back. Who knows? That might have, <laughs> might have just bought the same one twice. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I doubt he'll ever tour off the back of my little... Uh, probably um, not. Your little things, investment but, into his college Little fund. investment. But, yeah, no, he gave it away. And, again, this is... Just pre-internet, I'm I'm thinking in terms of yeah. pre. Obviously, the internet's existed for years, but pre us all getting on there, so you just had no clue what had happened to this guy. So, 
if you couldn't find if you couldn't find an album you had to really rely on your record store to be able to do the groundwork for you oh and absolutely hats yeah. off hats off to you know the 80s and 90s record store owners and yeah. employees who went out of their way to track down deleted out of press oh, out of yeah. out of stock albums for the fans out there like you guys yeah. are the real mvps seriously it was it was a yeah and it was a mission you know and you think about it and i think i probably paid 20 bucks for it the second time mm. around so the guy couldn't have had any margin in there you know like no, admittedly not, no. admittedly i i had bought other cds off the guy but uh um you know, so you know, it wasn't a one-off purchase, but yeah, nah, it was sure. a, it, it was impressive. So, so that's why MC nine hundred for Jesus is yeah. Now let's so. let's let's move on. Let's have a look yep. at the Australian heroes that are on this list. There are some absolutely dynamite influential. Well, it's a very Aussie list, isn't it? It's it's yeah. quite Aussie. The back end of your list is very Oz. Yeah, right. I had that, yeah. Yeah, so, so where do you want to start? Well, we'll look at the granddaddies first. We'll look at Radio Birdman. Radio Birdman yeah. didn't they? They pre were they pre punk? They were sort of almost oh. like the Ramones were pre punk. Um, yeah. So realistically, the <laughs> punk appears to be have been invented simultaneously in multiple places. In multiple places. Yeah. Right. So you had the Stooges. In Detroit, going nuts and playing hard. Yep. You had the Sex Pistols on the other side of the um, Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean going nuts and, and not playing great, but playing <laughs> hard. And then you had the Saints in Brisbane who um, went to England and released I'm Stranded, yep. which is considered, you know, seminal punk. And at the same time, you had Radio Birdman in Sydney. Who and barely anybody knew about until they reformed. Yes. And and the thing is, and this is why they're, they're cult for mine, is that I you would read about them all the time. Like I used mm. to read a lot of music magazines in my late teens and I'd always religiously pick up Express to find out what was going on and... I used to even subscribe to one music magazine and I was trying to think of the name of it the other day. Yep, it's yep. no longer in print. But I kid you not, barely an issue would go by where they wouldn't mention how Radio important Radio Birdman had been. And you'd go, well, that's great, but I, I'm, then I'm not hearing them on the radio. Yeah. And it'd be like, you can't buy their records because, you know, same deal, they never sold many. You know, like, yep. and it almost became this secret society type thing. So, and it, it always stuck in my mind that, yeah, this band is important, but I don't know why. You know, like, I've never heard them. And honestly, then you forget about it for years, right, like you do. Right? You're yep. listening to so much other stuff. And so when we went to put this together, I'm like, oh, well, maybe Radio Birdman are on iTunes or on Apple Music. And sure enough, they are. And they rock. That is just the, – they're just such um, – they're not pre-punk. They're punk and they're yeah. – but they're making it up because I, I don't know what they could have heard. Well, again, they would have heard 
no doubt imports of Stooges records or uh, who the hell knows? Yeah, who the hell knows where they went with it? But um, yeah, they were they were punk and and, and they had they a documentary Australian made about them as well, didn't they? I about how so, influ- yeah. how influential Radio Birdman were. Yeah, because no, of, like multiple Australian artists have come out and said, "Yeah, Radio Birdman was a massive influence on us." Yeah, and and, and that's and that's and I watch you, it and I go, you'd hear "Where it? did you hear about them?" Because I never heard of them up yeah. until the time oh, that they reformed see, and played Big Day out. Going going back to what I'm saying, yeah. you know, you live in Perth, you're right, you know, and you, if you're listening to commercial radio, you, you're, you're listening to, them. yeah, you, you you know, pre Triple J coming to Perth. And you know you're listening to 96 FM if you like the stereo sound, or if you're a, if you prefer the more pop top 40 stuff, you were listening to um, 92.9's Forerunner 6 PM with Gary Shannon, and so you know none of that's getting played. And I mean, if you were really sort of maybe a little bit uh, up yourself, I suppose you might have been listening to RTR FM um, coming out of the uni. Um, but then you could you you could switch on and who who knows what you're getting you know like you might be listening to the I don't know the poker hour or you know so unless you exactly we're, yeah. we're, we're chasing the punk hour um you know or the dance music hour or the guy who decided to go in and devote himself to U two B sides or something like that <laughs> you know like there was no sort of station that was just Throwing stuff around and mixing it up without man, I love commercial community radio. Concerns. Community radio is just a wild, no, no, I, wild no, ride I, yourself. I, isn't I, it? I, yeah, I, I love that. But you know, yeah. there, there'll be hours on end where you go, "Geez, this is just not for me." <laughs> yeah, and exactly. then you'll hit a vein where you go, "Oh man, you just, you know, you've nailed you it. Just, now, yeah, you've nailed it. Yeah." So, um, and that's that's the thing. So that was what was available. So yeah, yeah. I had never heard of Radio Birdman. Yeah, the, influence, yeah, the influence like, that Radio I mean, Birdman have had on Australian music is probably, I don't know, you know, Vander and Young. Are they almost as influential as Vander and Young in in that uh, sense? Oh, no, less so there than I'd less say. Less so, you think? But I'd, less so. More from, a, more from an alternative perspective. I mean, Vander and Young yeah. obviously were the hits machine, but, you know, yeah. the, the number of bands that came out, you know, you've got, Daniel Johns came out and said I was a huge Radio Birdman fan. Well, and I'm but, like, I, but you're I, like eight years old. That I can't work out how. Because hmm. it's just, you know, like unless his parents were massive fans and had all the albums or something. Because that's, that, that, that's literally how hard it would be to have been a fan, hmm. just not knowing about it. So, yeah. so that's the bit that threw me. And that, that kind of moves straight into the celibate rifles. Um, oh, man, I love the celibate rifles. Yeah, but same again, right? Like, um, and they were rec- <laughs> they were described as post radio Birdman on their Wikipedia page. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so I, I, um, Damien, Damien Lovelock would be rolling over in his grave being described as that. Damien was his own man. He did his. Oh, own for sure, thing. for sure. And God, they've got a great sound. And but same deal. Again, no one was playing this stuff on the radio when it was new, nah. to me at least. And so I'd be reading about them and reading interviews with Damien Lovelock and going, Geez, I mean, this sounds like a band I want to hear. Yeah. Um, and I love love the name, you know, the Sex Pistols. No, the Celibate Rifles. Mm. Um, you know, I, I love it. And 
the, I mean, the tracks, uh, the original track I chose is an absolute banger and as relevant today as it was when it would have come out. And the, the other one that I had to choose as a sub, thank you, Spotify gods, um, Conflict of, uh, sorry, uh, The More Things Change. More Things Change. Mate, I, it rocks. It rocks. And it's, again, as relevant now as it was was then. So 25 years ago or more. 25 years or more, yes. Yeah, so, and again, so that, that to me, that both genuinely cult bands because you just, you literally, you might have known about them, but you had to go out of your way to hear them. You really had to chase and, it down. You know, and and couple that with the fact that you know, I didn't have the time or the money or or, or in the position to go, you know, all over the place looking for records on the off chance I might like them. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we we just didn't have that sort of dough. So to get into those sort of bands, in a way, yeah, you know, yeah, we've heard it's good, but geez, do I want to lay out twenty five bucks on something that I haven't heard? You know, so so radio failed us in that respect. They did. They but did. that's what made it cult. So, yeah, good, good, good. Yes. And the hard-ons, the hard-ons, seminal the, Australian punk band. The most, uh, uh, what's it, the most successful Australian independent punk band. Punk band. Oh, uh, well, in terms of the most successful band on the indie charts ever. They've had more number yeah. one indie, indie tracks than any other band. And in, on this occasion, and this is, I think, what makes it cult, is I was given a couple of tapes many years ago, um, mixed tapes by a mate um, that had um, uh, these guys on it, um, Painters and Dockers, uh, the Triffords, um, the Trilobites, um, a whole range of other um you know, independent, less heard music, stuff that certainly wasn't getting played on the radio Yeah. Um, that this dude was into. And uh, it stuck with me to this day. It was like great stuff that, you know, again, I wasn't hearing anywhere else. And it's those mixtapes cop an absolute hammering. And in fact, this one's just up there. I can see it from here. So, and, you know, what I've tried to do is go through Apple Music and various sources to try and find the old tunes or, or, or dig them out, yeah, um, yeah, and get them into a format. Not not everything has made the transition because this stuff was genuinely indie music. But hard ons, yeah, good, good Aussie, almost surf punk to yeah. some degree. They uh, yeah, so there was these guys and there was the meanies as well, wasn't it? The meanies, yeah, there was the meanies. The, yeah, the late, they were sort of a. I would say the meanies were influenced by the hard-ons. Well, and true. Uh, I would say just from the timing of it, you'd, yeah, you'd be right there. Yeah. So, and but what you got to remember too, um, and I'm just trying to think of what was Dave Faulkner's band that he did Television Addict in before he formed the Hoodoo Gurus. Uh, doesn't matter, but it was a, you yeah. know he was in a punk band before he was in a a pop band. But mm. sometimes you can see the elements aren't that far apart. Yeah. You know, so you, you look at it and go, um, and and maybe Dave Faulkner thought that, geez, if I just tone this down a bit, put a few harmonies into it. Yeah. Um, just well, slow I did. It down I did have the thought that the celibate rifles were the thinking man's hoodoo gurus. Ah, uh, yeah. See, there's a 
yeah, I, you, you're not far wrong. No, I don't similar, think. Similar, this, similar sound, you know, similar yeah, there sound. Is. Yeah, uh, but which, that's which because... Which all come from, you know, the hard-ons, I think, you know, that, that real sort of yeah. strong influence from that punk background. Yeah. Oh, and it would have been a scene without a doubt. Yeah, they would doubt, have been going yeah. and seeing each other playing the same bills, and and that's it. But yeah, you you do wonder how much of it snuck over into the pop charts that we eventually heard. Mm. You know, because guys went, well, you know, like this this stuff's not going to fly as as far as a, a record company's concerned. But you know, that well, sweet cel- guitar. The Celebrate does. Rivals had a minor hit with Groovin in the Land of Love. Which was, yeah, you know, that's pretty, it's a pretty poxy track, to be fair. It's certainly not the best <laughs> celibates track out there. I think Damien just wrote it as like a, as a bit of a laugh while he was drunk one day, more than anything okay. else. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, 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 there's definitely the, a linking up of that sort of Sydney sound there between Radio Birdman, yeah. Celibate Rifles, Hard Ons, Huda Gurus. Yeah. You know, there's that yeah, real I, sort of chain of sound between all of them. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Without a doubt. So. And then, then we've got I don't know uh, the, the Triffords. Are the Triffords the, the Triffids. most culty, the culty Australian band? Without a doubt, uh, I think. Oh, I reckon between them and the Go Betweens. Uh, I tell you what, it is mm-hmm. they've they've got the territory kind of carved up. Yeah, so yeah. The Go Betweens have Queensland, and they are the most influential band ever to come out of Queensland. And if you listen yeah. to um, what's his name from Custard, uh, Dave? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He will tell you how good they were. You listen to any interview or any documentary um, about uh, the Go Betweens, yeah, and they'll roll out every hit pop band that ever came out of Queensland, and they'll tell you how much they loved the Go Betweens. So the Triffords, I think. Slightly less so, although what both of these bands did was they left their respective small towns and went uh, to Europe or, or to England specifically to try and make it there. And one of my unending regrets is that we, uh, me and a couple of mates, went to Australian Made in January of 1987 and... I was smart enough to go and see the Saints play. Yep. Um, mainly because I wanted to hear their current hit at the time, which was a song called Just Like Firewood, which was a poppy acoustic thing. Um, and, you know, didn't... Not the most saintly of tracks, is it? No, no, no. Didn't in any way understand the history, but at least I went and watched um, the Saints. Um, but... I wandered off while the Triffids were on. I just thought, oh, no, this would be terrible. And I regret it to this day. But listening to their music now, and I've got into it a lot more since, I don't know even whether they were that keen to play a a gig like that. I mean, obviously, you know, getting to that many people would be great. But it was, you know, a Jimmy Barnes and NXS type crowd. It was a very rock crowd. Um, and here they are, a, a, a band that play almost religious rock. I would, yeah. Know, with, without being a Christian band, I, mm. the, the, their music's very strong and religious iconography and 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 so forth and and symbolism. And so, yeah. So I, I've missed a trick to see, you know. And I, I look at that now, and I go, of all the bands, 
on the list now. You know, like if you ask me to list down in order which bands I'd see now from from that gathering, I'd go, oh, the Triffords every the Triffords, single yeah. time. You know, that I, I could take or leave the models. I could take or leave yeah. I'm talking. God, mental as anything. No. Even in excess, I'd, I'd you know, you go, no, that I'd could go have something to do with the fact of it, but I'd, I'd go the Triffords. So, and, and definitely a band influential. They've been covered, obviously. The Wide Open Road is considered an Australian rock classic, not yep. from their telling of it, but certainly from the Widow's telling of it. Uh, and, and, you know, throw in the, the, the fact that they're probably lauded more after they finished and yeah. uh, certainly after Cel- celebrated more in death, I guess. In the, Ab- absolutely, in, yes, yeah. yeah. They they get better with age almost in terms of yeah. that, and that's so that that's where they have that sort of cultish. But well, again, uh, let's let's look at like, it. We could almost argue that Gang of Youths is like a modern press of the Triffids. Oh yeah, that's um, definitely got that 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 very similar um, vibe, very moody template. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's that's my big call. No, that's a that's a good call. And look, mm. there, there's plenty of bands around who, you know, love what the Triffids did, and you know, you hear that, and that's I guess with my list in a way, it's like how many times did you hear of them as a you know as a band mm. by, mentioned by other artists, and that's yeah, again, exactly yeah them and the go betweens, they'd be tussling that out, I think for yeah who influenced more, but I think probably. Yeah. Location-wise, maybe the Gobies had Queensland covered. Yeah, the go-betweens are a little bit more sunny, I think. So anywhere it's sunny, I think the go-betweens sort of take take ownership of. And anywhere uh, that's a sort of a bit of dark and dirty, I think the Triffids are. Because the Triffids, were the Triffids, um, they're a Fremantle band? No. Um, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have said so. I think, um, I remember there was a thing a few years ago, somebody wanted to knock down the house. Dave McComb grew up with and some wag applied for heritage listing mm. um, on it and it was in you know, uh, it was on the river I, I want to say Nedlands or Del Keith or something I think his dad was a doctor right oh, so okay. they're, they're, yeah, yeah. they're not not poor kids I think you know they all went probably all met at UWA or whatever yeah um, and that's that's probably the difference too in in terms of you look at Perth music scene, late 70s, early 80s, it was either, you know, ACDC type punk, oh, or, or sorry, rock cover bands like the Jets and so forth, <laughs> um, or it was, you know, poppy uh, type new wave, you know, Eurogliders, yeah, um, yeah. you know, maybe even the Stems to some degree. Although they were a bit alternative, you know, so the Triffids probably didn't quite fit in Perth. They didn't fit anywhere, no. If, no, so that's that's why they probably had to leave to get that recognition. But um, yeah, no, I don't think they were Frio. I think they were more Nedlands, Delkeith. Yeah, and, and more <laughs> not exactly. Yeah, I I I want to say they were probably a little bit upper class, but I I couldn't be you couldn't be certain. It, yeah, for yeah. But you know, judging by the house they grew up in, which is not, yeah, you know, making judgments yeah. on very secondhand information. Great songwriter, <laughs> though. So. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, let's let's wrap it up. All right, let's one left. One perfect day by Little Heroes. Explain. I don't even think they're a cult band. No, they're not a cult band. This is a cult song for me. Yeah. So it just seems to pop up all the time. I never knew who sang it for years. Again, could radio never really seemed to play it. And I'll tell you, when I looked this up, this is their biggest hit and mm-hmm. it made number 12 on the charts. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So I remember going away with some friends when I was about 17 and someone had it on a best-of tape in their car and we hammered just this song. You know, you'd flip it over and fast-forward the other side and go back and play it again. And um, We just really liked the song. Um, yep. But, you know, you could never find it, didn't really know who sang it, and yet... Years later, I buy a Weddings Parties Anything album and there's a bonus CD and it's got a cover of this on it and you hear other bands covering it and and Mick Thomas has just covered it again on a Covers by Request album. So yeah, yeah. there's this popularity of it that I just can't quite understand because, it, look, it's an okay song. Um, yeah. I, I prefer the Widows version. I'm very keen to hear the... Um, the new version by Mick Thomas. But so I just, it felt like a cult song because it's like yep. this band, like I say, they were just a, a nothing 80s Australian. But a very one much, hit wonder, which wasn't even a, wasn't even a one hit. Not a, not a hit of note. So, no. but it's just a, it's a good song. So I just, I threw it in there because I thought it was a cult song. Is it influential? Probably not. I guess the fact that it's still getting covered, maybe. Yeah. That people, particularly on a covers by request album, mm, where people have true. actually turned around and gone, can you know, can you cover it? But, but maybe they're really requesting it because they're Widows fans who like the Widows version. <laughs> so it's very possible. Would you please do us a new version of a song that you did a new version of ten years ago or more? So that's what that's about. So that's yeah, what yeah right. last one's in there. So that's it. Oh, that's the. But cult we're not bands. done with. We're not. We're, we're not, not done with cult bands. No, we are not. We are we're not, not at done all. Because I think, I think, really, both of us have chosen a cult band of sorts. Yes. For uh, well, cult artist, a sketch artist, cult in artist. fact, old sketch stuff, artist. new fa- stuff. Tell us yep. about Kim Gordon's new uh, stuff, mate. Kim Gordon has finally released her first solo. This album. is the first. Yeah, this is the first. She's been doing some work with another sort of musician slash artist. I think as Body Mind, right? Uh, but this is the first one that she's released independently under her own name. Okay. For those who are currently just waking up from a twenty-five year coma, <laughs> Kim Gordon was the bassist in Sonic Youth. Absolutely. Now. Interestingly enough, I almost was tempted to do a double old stuff, new stuff because Thurston Moore's also released a new album as well oh. this, like, within the last couple of months. That's just and so I was looking at it, <laughs> and it was going to be a head to head, but Thurston's <laughs> is very much a, an instrumental post rock album where each right. track is about sixty minutes long, and I thought no one's <laughs> really got time for that. It's a good album, like no, trust me, like really? Thurston's album's really good musically. It's fantastic. I love it. But uh, Kim, being Kim, has released her own stuff, and this is the lead off. I'd like to say single, but it's not really a single because that's not how Kim rolls. It's just the first it's track the first, on the album. It's the first track on the album. It's the one that's been released 
to I guess streaming services first. Although the the whole album is now out. Whole album's out. Yeah. It's interesting. I'll put it what that do you, way. What do you think? It's a difficult listen. I'll put it that the album, the whole is a album, or listen. the track, it, the whole no, the whole album is a difficult listen. Even this track is a bit of a difficult listen. Now I love Kim probably more so than is allowed in yes. people. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quite Sonic Youth culty, and this this is the reason why Sonic Youth isn't on my list is because I knew I could get Kim in on this one. Right. It's a tough. It's a tough listen. It's it's very art. Yeah. It's very. It's very noise and it is very Kim. Now, Kim gives absolutely zero fucks to what anybody else seems to think about her music or how she releases music or just basically what she does. She is a very strong artist. She is a, an amazing artist and she basically has free reign to do whatever she wants and she has done whatever she wants. And for that, I celebrate it. Musically, yeah, I struggled at times. I'm get I'm getting through this. I'm going. I I can see what she wants to do, but I guess I'm sort of at this point now where I kind of want some kind of hook the, to drag yeah. me into the song. Yeah, and there's not, not a lot hooks. of hooks. There's not a lot of hooks in it. So this is this is very much Kim being Kim. This is very art school and art. And she's always been, you know, the the painter, rocker, poet sort of. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, she's she's done this, and it's good, but it, that and that's probably the thing I put. It's good, but it's good, but you have to be a fan to get the most out of it. This is not something that will drag people into listening to oh, more suddenly Sonic Youth. liking not, Sonic Youth. No, yeah, all of no. all of a sudden you're just going to go, oh, that's why Sonic Youth is so good. No, this is you no. sit there and go, this is this is the reason why I couldn't get into Sonic Youth <laughs> because you know more than anything else, it's like, this is the kind of stuff that's made me walk away from Sonic Youth. This is this would be, and I'm, I'm loath to use Sonic Youth in this term, although Kim is so. You know, you can't remove Kim and Thurston from the dynamics that is Sonic Youth because that was them, and so it's not it's not Sonic Youth. It's it's clearly not that because she's incorporated no. a lot of ele- electronic aspects into it, and that's really the road that she's been going down for probably the last four or five years. Now she's sort of walked down a more electronic route where she's starting to bring in more electronic instruments and move away from guitar and bass much like what um the guy from vatican shadow has done over the years as well you yeah, know, sort of stepped yeah. away from that extreme sort of noise into making more extreme electronic noise and that's yeah. i think what kim's gone with as well and she's basically it's it's an art project that kim's done with her name attached to it I'm not an art teacher. I'm not an art <laughs> student. I know uh, I don't like I don't know art, but I know what I like, and I like this for the fact that she's done what she wants to do musically. I probably don't like it as much. So I think the first track's yeah, all right. It's subjective. It's it's very yeah. subjective. Yeah. No, I li- I listened to the whole album, um, not twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I went. I went in for three or four. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. I look. I reckon the first two tracks are good. This one. Yeah. Sketch artists. I think the second track's Airbnb. Yeah. Airbnb is a good track. Yeah, yeah. That's a good track. I think it loses its way a little after that. And like. Yep. You know. Yes. Yeah. You're right. She can do what she likes. That's that. That's the deal. But. Yeah. 
I the only thing I sort of felt is plenty of the tracks on it would have actually just been better as straight up instrumentals. Yeah, like like just forget about trying to fit a vocal over this. You clearly just want to make some sound. So yeah, I, some of them I sort of felt she was just shoehorning vocals in for the heck of it. So for the sake of it, yeah. yeah why why not just go? Let's let's just have some. Uh, uh, let's have some instrumental tracks and and, and you know in, enjoy the sound of it rather than trying to get a feel yeah. for it lyrically. Yeah, so, I feel that there's time there's times where there's just a little bit too much going on. Yeah. So yeah. and that's and that's probably something you, you could throw at some of the the more extreme ends of Sonic Youth's sort of yeah, music. Yeah, is yeah. that there were times where there was just a little bit too much. They're trying to be a little bit too smart ass for their own good. Yes. Yeah. I th- there are elements of this album where it does get a little bit, you know, a little bit too sort of smart for its own good, I guess, in that sense. So it's art music for art people, and it's not something that non-art people or non-fans are going to be able to go, ah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's brought yeah. me in. No, this is, and even this album, you know, a lot of long-term sort of Kim fans and Sonic Youth fans are just going, well, hang on, you know, ease up on pump the brakes for a second here we're not really <laughs> quite sure how to take this as well yeah so it's yeah but that that's always how she's been and yeah. always will be how it is so yeah i can't i can't bad mouth it from that perspective because no yeah it's just it's not really grasped me as a an album that i would get more out of if i kept listening to it no i don't I don't think it's going to go for repeated listens. I think no. I think the the the, the two tracks, the first two tracks, might sort of roll mm. into a playlist somewhere at some and, point, and you'll go, yeah, that's 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 pleasant enough, but that's yep. as much as it'll get for me. I think so. Yeah, there's not going to be um, no home record the unre you know the unreleased tapes. No, no of this. No, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> It's not like Moby doing play and then replay. Yeah, replay. No, this is, no, no, no. This, this is the one-off. This, this is, is the one-off thing. I don't want to hear the tracks that didn't make it. <laughs> uh, well, if you're if you're a fan if you're a fan of Kim and you're a fan of Sonic Youth, you probably already heard this. You will enjoy it for the fact that it is Kim producing more music. Yes, but if you're not if you're not a fan of the artists or the scene, the no wave scene and the noise scene. You're probably not going to get into it. This no. is not going to drag you in. This is not something that's going to introduce you to a whole new sound. Not at all. So not it's just all. it's just a little bit too polarizing for that. Yeah. Mm. And I've been let's let's go from one extreme to the other. I know. Did you enjoy this? Not really. Really? I'm sorry. No, oh, not really. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. This is just this is just too much dick music for my liking. It I is. Cannot, it is. I cannot absolute... handle the darkness in any more than about a five or six minute burst. No, uh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm gonna shout you down there, mate. This is, <laughs> this is just absolute cock rock, and it's, I, I reckon it's great. I just, I love. This is like. This is. Uh, like if Meatloaf had produced it, or, or Jim yeah. Steinman, yeah, you know, like it's, it's, and, that's, and that's why I can't take Meatloaf seriously either. Oh no, see, you know, it's it's, yes. it's that sort of kitsch showman no, hairbandy yes. sort of thing, but it's hairbandy that doesn't take itself seriously. I mean, 
I don't know, man. I just can't I, do it. I, I'm sorry. I, I alternate between are they having a joke and are they pulling the extracting the urine so, yeah. out of the the serious metal bands, or are they just saying these are the things that was great about particularly English hard rock in the seventies? Yeah, and I I think. I think that's probably what they are doing. They're going, this is the stuff that we grew up on, we love, and it's an absolute homage to that I'd era. made Judas Priest, yeah, Motorhead. Yeah, Motorhead, yeah, yeah. That classic British, the yeah, British steel sound. Correct, yeah, the, yeah. the working man's heavy metal that just mm. had that, that hint of, that whiff of sort of campness almost, but... Still, it is. But to me, it's like if you if you decided if you if you go again if you were given a project to to produce uh, a, 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 an English rock album and you had to cover all these points, they have gone through and covered them all in this song. In this song, forget about yeah. the whole album; they cover it all over again. Like it's, and I love it. I just and. The the bit I love is I don't know whether they're taking you know they're having a, a lend or or whether it's a genuine heartfelt homage, but I love it. Mm. I, I and I recommend the whole album. I just I love it, but it does remind me of you know Spinal Tap almost in a way. Yeah, like, that's that's the way I read the darkness. Yeah. Is that there's there's Spinal Tap? There's Spinal Tap for I, an internet generation. Do you know what? I don't think so. Yeah. I no. and but if they do. It's got an earnestness about it that, I don't know, yes, we might be all in on the joke, but they're not exactly winking at the camera either. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. playing the role. To me, I think they're just they're playing the role and they're going, yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, this is the music we love and this is why we love it. They're not breaking yeah. any new ground. They're not, not reinventing the wheel. They're going. All the good songs have been written. We're just going to rip them off. Yeah. So, but I loved it. I, again, I've listened to the whole album several times. I couldn't. So. I could not get through the whole album. I, I do apologize. Yeah, he, 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 here's the other thing, though, right? Like, I don't necessarily listen to the other music that they're paying homage to. So this, yeah. to me, is that that lighter, more accessible version of that stuff. So this yeah, is see, a bit like with me, me saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you go and yeah. you go, hang on, these guys are, are, are not, they're, they're detracting from the music you like in a way. Yeah. To me, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to listen. I'm the yeah. Iron Maiden Judas Priest. Correct. Yeah, well, see, know, Motorhead I, I, fan. Yeah, I, I will hear that and go, that's fine, but I'm not necessarily a fan of that. <laughs> so this to me is a, a nice, safe version of that music. That if, I we, can, if we put this yeah. into cult perspective, these guys are heretics and they deserve Correct. to die. Yes, rock yes. and roll deserves to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and no doubt they would be, you know, sacrificed by druids at yeah, Stonehenge. Yeah, that's it. Death that's, to the infidels. That's exactly how the video would go. But so that's yeah. what I'm saying. So I'm not, I'm not the fan. So they're, they're not getting me offside yeah. in that yeah. respect. They're not detracting from that. They're giving me a, a, a safe, fun version of yep. that music. So to me, yeah, like, yeah, remember, you, remember you said to me ages ago that listening to um, Better Living Through Chemistry by Fatboy Slim showed you that electronic music could be fun? 
Yeah. This this yeah, shows yeah. me that hard rock can be fun and 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 shouldn't take itself too seriously. So that's no, that's true. That's, I understand. Yeah. That's that's why I like it. So yeah, and. I can appreciate, yeah, people who take it seriously or who take their medal seriously are going to go, yeah, these guys are, you know, they're, they're dissing the cannon. You know, they're yeah. absolutely, um, you know. Exactly. They're misinterpreting the uh, the Bible. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> yeah, the the gospel, gospel of Iron Maiden has <laughs> yes. been yes, yeah. perverted. So, uh, yeah, so they should be, uh, they should be, you know, taken, taken to task stake. for that. So... Yeah. I liked it. It's I reckon it's every bit the equal of their first album, Permission to Land. Oof. Yep. Yeah. All right. Which wasn't. I'll take it. I, you're the you're the dark you're the darkness expert, mate. So. Oh no, mate. I I, I love them yeah. as a band. I I reckon they're great. They are. They just. But like I say, that's that's what makes this fun. Yep. No that's worries. what makes it fun. All right, mate. Well, look, we have talked a lot. I think we've had a, a cracking go. We have. We will convene. Uh, in a few days time to do our special Nirvana episode which I'm yep. very much looking forward to no I look forward to that one too and then uh, very soon any we- excuse to listen to that album huh? oh exactly right exactly right it's going on high rotation right now and very soon we might get to record an episode together oh yes mm. that's true we should try stay that stay tuned stay tuned we should try that that's it alright uh, well I'll sign off thanks again mate no worries all the best uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you next time yeah 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 yeah